All right, welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Jason McCarthy. And we are here with Marco Otwita. I'm, I'm really trying, I'm really trying, I'm really trying. Um, we're broadcasting out of a bunch of really cool places. Uh, I'm really excited to have Marco on the show with us. Uh, I'm gonna be in Jacksonville, and Chase, you're in Austin, right? Uh, Round Rock, but close enough. Round Rock, yeah. And Marco, I think you're in Paris, actually. We had you listed on the show notes as in Munich, so. Right, so I'm, uh, I'm actually based in Munich, but joining you from, from Paris today where I uh, visit a client. Yeah, that's awesome, that's super cool. Uh, yeah, small, small world, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's. Uh, I guess we'll just uh, get get straight into it. And uh, I think this is supposedly going to be episode ninety nine. So exciting! Yay! Almost a centennial. Hey, Marco, could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I live in Munich, uh, Germany, um, and uh, run Simple Apps, a a German consultancy. Um, I think that's like. The rough over <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. could you tell us a little bit about Simplabs, like what you do, what you're excited about, and um, like I, 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 we're gonna get into open source that Simplabs does as well, which is pretty impressive. But uh, maybe you could give us a top level yeah. uh, view of you know uh, Simplabs in, in, as a whole. Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, we're a full stack consultancy. Uh, 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 we focus on like convention based uh, tools, which is obviously Ember. Uh, and the client also on the server side, we do we do Rails and recently more Alexia and Phoenix. Um, we work for uh, clients of all sizes, really across across the world. Like it's actually not so much limited to to Europe or Germany at all. We're uh, are really working for clients across the world, uh, doing all kinds of things like team augmentation or taking on full projects or. Uh, all workshops uh, and trainings. Um, yeah, that's what we do for the most part. Cool. Um, so the training stuff you're mentioning, um, how often do you do those? Is that something? Because I, I didn't know you guys did training, so I'm just kind of personally a little curious about it. Right. That it's more like a a a, a thing we do on the side. We uh, I think uh, uh, beginning of this year we launched like a training training. Uh, side business, so to say, in cooperation with, with Mike North that probably most Ember people uh, mm-hmm. know. So uh, where we do do open trainings or open workshops uh, where just everybody can register. So uh, next week, for example, we have, uh, we have a three-day Elixir training in, in Berlin happening. And then in three or four weeks, right after JSConf EU, we have a, an Ember Pro training in uh, Berlin over two days. Uh, and we also do on-site trainings for clients who like uh, want to have their team of 10, 15 developers uh, trained in, in specific things on-site like in, in, at their location. Hmm, that's really cool. Uh, we do those as well. Yeah, neat, neat. And um, and obviously, you guys do a, a lot of uh, open source. Um, actually, you know, just out of curiosity, how how big is Simplabs? Like, how many how many people are there? Uh, we're seven people uh, right now, but uh, looking to grow, actually, uh, like hire maybe one, two more people this year, roughly. Awesome. If we find people, as everybody knows, it's really hard to find good uh, Ember people in particular. So, yeah, sure, um, sure. Yeah. But that's like the the rough plan for now. Yeah, I saw your uh, your your job posting. You were saying you were looking for some, some for someone in Munich. Um, are you kind of remote friendly too, or? Uh, yeah, we. Um, actually, we have a a, a a remote team already. So we have one person in Berlin, one person in Barcelona, one person in Aachen, which is probably the least 
known of those cities. It's like more in northern Germany. Uh, and we we have four people in, in, in Munich. It's just, uh, I would just like to have more people in Munich because I, I think it's nice if you have people like sitting in the same office. But if we don't find anyone in Munich, we are open to hire uh, to hire someone from elsewhere as well. Very cool. Uh, it's just um, ideally we find someone in Munich. If not, then yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I saw I saw the picture of your uh, of your office in Munich. It looks uh, looks pretty cool. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's nice and small. Yeah, it's like a it's like a uh, it's like an IKEA store. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like just all white, like everything's super clean, like nice modern furniture. It's just funny. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty white and clean in there. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Marco, when we were at EmberConf, we were talking about um, like a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of the open source stuff you guys do, and I want to talk about uh, Simple Auth uh, in, in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, but I know you mentioned a couple of like really neat, like uh, kind of smaller add-ons uh, that do kind of like are just like I don't know, like explorations into like computed properties and and and, and helpers and computed helpers. Um, mm -hmm. could you talk about maybe, uh, I guess we'll start with the, the Ember classic computed and just walk us through maybe the example you have and, uh, and kind of what drove you to, to push out in this way in the Ember space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, let me maybe just go one step back though and tell you a bit about the motivation for mm -hmm. those yeah, things. Please. Because like the, 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 the main motivation for this was that I, uh, uh, like observed a tendency in the community kind of to move everything to uh, to template helpers like everything that was previously in computer properties moved there to template helpers and then basically have all kind of the these implementation details inside of the template uh, which in many cases is nice but it has some drawbacks right so that that um, that I thought people were maybe not not aware of so uh, I um, explored that a bit more and then I found out that Actually, for for some things, it was actually not possible to do the same thing in a computer property that you could do with a template helper from one of the popular libraries. So the goal that we had was to make all these things possible with computer properties as well, so that uh, that it could really like do the same thing that you could do with template helpers with computer properties. Mm -hmm. And the main thing where when template helpers and computer properties were different. Uh, in in terms of uh, capability was um, was actually class-based uh, template helpers and computer properties. So, for example, if you look at the, the Ember Classic Computer Readme, we have an example uh, where we filter a collection by a property, and the property is the value of another property on, uh, on the context object. Right. So, I, it might be hard to explain. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, the example is we have a user's property, let's say, on the controller that has like a, an, an array of like Ember data user models, and each of their, uh, those models has an is active, is blocked, and is admin property. And depending on on the value of the filter property on the controller, we want to filter the user's property by one of those three properties. So the filter property on the controller would be. Um, is active, for example, so we would filter the users by their is active property. Mm -hmm. And same thing for is blocked, is admin, and so on. So the problem with this kind of thing is that for, for the filtered users computer property that filters the users by one of three properties, you don't know what the dependent key is up front because, because you're either filtering by 
um, by the is active property or by is blocked or by is admin. So you either depend on users each is active or users each is admin or users each is blocked or whatever <laughs> right. other property you might add in the future. Mm -hmm. Right. So I hope that that makes the 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 example clear. Um, with a class-based template helper, you can actually implement that pretty easily uh, because you would just uh, register an observer on the class-based template helper that observes that filter property and just redefines the computer property that actually does the filter mm -hmm. with the correct, uh, with the correct uh, dependent key then. The problem is that with a computer property, at least if you want to use a computer property macro, you can't do that because inside of the property you don't have any context you can you can uh, uh, you can register the observer on or define the observer, mm -hmm. right? Because the the only context you have is the is the 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 instance of the class you define the computer property on. But in case you use a computer property macro, you don't want to mutate the instance of the class that the the computer property macro is used on. So, uh, long story short, basically, um, what Ember Classic Computer gives you is a class-based computer property mechanism that basically is more or less exactly the same thing as class-based template helpers. So you would you would define your computer property as an extension of the class-based computer property class, and then for 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 every instance of every class that you use that computer property uh, macro on, then you get a new instance of that computer property class. So, and and then and in that instance, you can do all kinds of things. That's cool. Yeah. That you. Yeah, and it's kind of uh, that you could not do do with a regular computer property. I, I think it it might sound pretty complicated. <laughs> Not actually so. Yeah, as soon as so, you look at the, so if you're looking at the readme, like code. it's all right there. Like the 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 code is pretty simple. But you're right, it does sound like a pretty complex problem. Um, but I mean, that's that's the that's the thing, right? Like it it it's a, a natural result of you wanting to do this thing and not being able to. So like it's going to be a little bit harder to, you know, explain. So right. Yes. Right. Right. And it's and I think it's also mostly mostly relevant uh, for edge cases and. And as kind of the foundation for other things. So, for example, uh, Kelly Seldon uses this kind of mechanism now in Ember also macros because there was um, uh, basically exactly that that filter by uh, example with a dynamic filter property um, name did not work correctly in Ember also macros um, for exactly that reason. Uh, so he uses like a, a similar mechanism. And Ember also macros not fixed that, and that's based on Ember classic compute. Basically. That's awesome, right? And this is this is uh, something that in a template you were saying you don't have to worry about because you might have like uh, some component that is the filter on the outside and, and sets the the um, you know filter as a key, and then internally when you use that, uh, basically uh, Glimmer watches that key for you and like, hooks up everything automatically. So that that key changes, and now. Uh, your your filters. Um, yeah, uh, the 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 example that I meant was more if you use a template helper, really, and if you uh, like use a class based template helper. So, for example, the one that that um, I always forget the name of the add on that, that really popular popular helper add on from Docker. Truth helpers. Um, no, I, I think the other one like um, 
and Ember Composable. Ah, Composable. Okay, yeah. uh, that has like a filter by helper that allows you to do this exact thing, like filter a collection by a dynamic property. And if you look the and if you look at the code for that for that class-based helper that they use to like, provide that functionality, it's almost exactly the same code as the code that we have in the README for the class-based computer property. So that's really why I'm saying uh, the uh, the mechanism is is almost the same for both things, like for class-based computer properties and for class-based helpers. That's right. cool. So this okay. this is kind of an exploration to achieve parity between template helpers and computer properties, or like because if you uh, more or less, if you yeah. could do this yeah, in template helpers, like, um, like is this like I said, is this just this is just like to make sure that it's possible, um, or did you have a specific case where the computer property was more desirable than the template helper? Uh, that's a very good question. So I would say the the uh, computer property is almost always more desirable than the template helper. Oh really? <laughs> Tell me um, more. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, just before EmberConf, I released a blog post uh, expanding on that topic a bit more. Um, I think actually with template helpers, you have a bunch of potential problems that, that people are not aware of. Uh, they might seem simpler uh, because you don't have to specify de uh, dependent keys, which is something we, we uh, try to address with autocomputer. I think we'll talk about that later. Uh, but actually, template helpers have a few drawbacks. So um, one reason I think computer properties are more desirable than the, uh, templates help, than template helpers almost almost always is uh, that um, if you do things in template helpers, that means you you uh, move all the implementation details. Implementation details being like which which helper do you call with which arguments? Uh, which helper do you nest inside another one? Like all of those details, you move into the template, right? Which means they they are now in the in the um, in the area of things that the maintainer of the template ha has to maintain, uh, which often might not even be a very technical person. So uh, we have client projects where where they they have like. Uh, web designers, more or less, managing the templates, and they are they are uh, perfectly uh, fine with with maintaining like handlebars things where they just like put in named named things where they don't uh, actually have to know how those things are computed. They just have to know like uh, what those things might result in, right? Which would be computer properties then. And in comparison to that, if if they have to maintain uh, potentially nested invocation of template helpers that makes everything much much harder for them, uh, right? So that's one reason why I uh, believe that that um, that keeping things that that do any kind of computation in the JavaScript code as opposed in uh, in the handlebars uh, templates is actually preferable. Yeah. You know, I've never actually heard um, that argument. Uh, I think that's that's really insightful. Um, right. I think I think if you're if you're like coming from the side of like you're writing this thing and you're like, oh no, look at how declarative this is and whatever. And you're like, well, that's great for you, a programmer who's you know very familiar with Ember, but you know, like so, there there so, are concerns. I mean, you can basically have the same level of declarativeness in in JavaScript as well. Oh yeah, like you don't have have to have Lisp-like syntax for declarative code. Definitely, definitely. Right. Um, also, uh, another um, 
Another difference is that um, uh, when it comes to testability of, of things, right? Like if you have encoded things with template helpers in your, your templates, then uh, if you want to test that logic, you have to render the template, which uh, for one is slower than not rendering, than just like, getting the computer property and um, asserting on, on the value of it. Also, uh, like your assertions are not as, as clear anymore because uh, when you test a computer property with a unit test, you can just get the property and assert on the value. Uh, when you, when you, you do the same thing with uh, template helpers in the template, you would usually have to assert on the presence of a, uh, of a, a particular DOM node, which is only a side effect though of of the calculation in the template helpers like resulting in a special mm -hmm. value. Yeah. Right? So that's one one thing that that that's not great. Also a third thing is that uh, in order for rendering the temp in order to be able to render the template you have to set up a bunch of contexts a bunch of things that will be used in the template there. Right? Um, and often, if you just want to test the a helper invocation uh, that is like I don't know in line fifteen of the template, right? You would still have to set up all context that's necessary for the first fourteen lines of the templates, although they are like all that context is not related to the thing you're testing in that uh, particular test case. Hmm. So, in terms of testability, I think computer properties um, are preferable as well. Another thing, I'm not sure that uh, whether people are actually aware of that is while template helpers observe their arguments, right, they don't actually observe any any property changes on their argument, right? So if if, if you do any sign and any kind of 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 calculation with a uh, helper invocation on on an Ember data record, it the, that thing would not be be re-rendered when any of the properties on that Ember data record changes. Only if the Ember data record uh, uh, would change to a different record, right? Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Which <laughs> sometimes, if you're not aware of that, then then that might lead to all all kinds of bad things. So yeah, uh, that's really the main motivation for, for, for writing class computed and auto computed is really to, to uh, make it easier for people to, to uh, keep things in computed properties as opposed to template helpers when there's no, no real need to use a template helper. Um, and I think in many cases there is also no benefit in, in doing so. The only benefit being that you don't have to list your dependent keys upfront, which seems to be a major, um, a major problem for a lot of people. Yeah, actually, uh, so so you you did mention uh, Ember Auto Computed. Um, do you want to talk about that and kind of because I feel like it really dovetails nicely into into this uh, conversation, um, where basically like you don't have to specify dependent keys in Ember Auto Computed, right? Right, right. So. Um, the uh, first thing I should say probably is that uh, we also say in the README that um, auto-computed is totally experimental and should not <laughs> at all uh, be used in production. So it's just something that we wanted to write to see whether it would actually work. Uh, so the idea of auto-computed is that uh, we 
could actually allow computer properties that do not explicitly list their dependent keys. Uh, I think that is something that Vue.js, for example, does by default. Um, and I had a conversation about that with uh, Mixonic and at Fortnite Emberfest uh, uh, last year about like the reasons why that's not actually in core already and uh, whether it would be possible at all. And they said, yeah, it should probably be possible. So we went ahead like six months later or so when we found the time, we went ahead and and build a prototype for that. And it, it turns out it is in fact possible. So um, basically what it allows is, um, is just uh, defining computer properties uh, without listing the uh, dependent keys and the computer property would still be reevaluated correctly. Because we just hook into the get method and some other methods and, and uh, record the keys that you record the keys of or the names of any properties that you get on any objects, and then and then once uh, once the 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 execution of the computer property function finishes, we update the computer properties dependent keys. So it would be be uh, be re calculated uh, the next time you get it. But this this uh, would this work with like at each or anything like that or the uh, dot yes. uh, in, uh, square brackets? Okay, that's cool. Yes, yes, does work as well. Uh, a few edge cases do not work yet, but that's mainly things we we would have to add. Uh, so it seems like the in in general the concept should work fine. I think the implementation that we have is probably very slow and most likely uh, bad in other ways too. But it it looks like that it it seems to prove that the concept in general should work. Um, I think one of the reasons why why the existing computer properties do not support that is because you might actually have dependent keys that you never get in your computer property implementation, right? So like maybe you mm. you depend on the second property of the of the uh, of the clock service, so so that your that your computer property would would be re-executed every second. Although you never actually use that 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 second property of that clock service in the implementation, um, so the, these are things that that uh, would not work with with autocompute, obviously. But uh, you could imagine that we just have um, a method on the autocompute property that you can use to to push in additional de uh, dependent keys. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking at your ABC example where it's like if a uh, return B L C, um, and so in that case, that means you you have to listen every time. So even though it's kind of cash cash breaking on A, um, and initially maybe it gets B, uh, the next time around it might get C, and so now it means every single time you're having to basically record and like add more keys to the new property. Uh, no, we uh, replace the dependent keys each time. So the okay. the A B C example that you mentioned, where uh, like if A is true, it would return B, otherwise it would return C. That's um, actually something where auto computed might lead to uh, to performance improvements mm -hmm. because if you think about an example like that, uh, uh, for now with um, static dependent keys, you would basically have to list A, B, and C as dependent keys yeah. up front, regardless of the value of A. Uh, although while A is false in that case, you don't actually depend on B because you would never use it anyway. You only depend on A and C, and then only you, only once A changes to true, you would depend on B 
but would not depend on C anymore then. So um, that's something that might actually actually uh, lead to le uh, to fewer um, uh, to fewer property invalidations, which might make up make up for the additional performance cost that that is um, added by recording the keys that you use in the. The yeah, definitely. I mean, I can I can totally imagine like really expensive, you know, um, like computation or or like a really large object or something like that, and this already being kind of a win, like even now. Right, yeah. and it also seems like this um, this kind of can do the same thing that that class computed could do, right? Um, is that what it's called? Yeah, classy classy computed. Uh, so if you had a filter property cool. and you were using that as a as a as the, the key for another get to get the filter, um, it would basically remember that i think you're right actually yeah. okay yeah uh, okay i was thinking that all right cool uh maybe i mean yeah it's, yeah. it's obviously yeah, experimental right. though so uh, use the other one <laughs> if you have that case right now right right so classic computer should be uh ready to use auto computer is pure experimentation <laughs> and, uh, nobody should yeah, well it's right at the boundary of like what's possible so i i think it's i it's really exciting to to talk about this sort of thing i when you, when you mentioned it at EmberConf, like I didn't really understand the implications. I'm really glad that the readmes on all actually all the Simplabs um, projects are are like they give you very clear examples. The ABC thing is like that's really like intuitive. Like you look at it at a glance and kind of like understand what's going on, which I really like. Yeah, yeah. Cool. As a helicopter goes over my head. So we mentioned. Um, some like of the Simplabs open source. And uh, well, one thing I noticed when we were doing some notes for this is that you have like, uh, you have four add-ons that are on either a nine or a 10 on the Ember Observer rank, which means that they're very, very popular and awesome. Uh, and that includes uh, Ember Test uh, Selectors, uh, Ember Simpleauth, which actually has the 13th overall add-on score, which is like really, really awesome. Uh, Ember cookie. It used to be number like five, six or so. Yeah, so I was. I I thought it was top ten. Do something yeah, I it. thought it was top ten. <laughs> I was wondering about that. Um, I'm. I, yeah. I have to assume that it's. Uh, it's like Ember data because like the the top ten are like Ember data and like Ember try and like things that are automatically uh, sure. installed and stuff. But, but I mean, it's yeah. still that's awesome. Uh, and Ember cookies is on there at, at a ten, I think, which means it's top ten percent. So y'all are doing some really awesome uh open source work uh thanks yeah yeah of course you're doing great work um and i, I just wanted to go through a couple of them i think i want to talk more in depth about Simplabs, or not Simplabs, but uh simple off i keep doing that uh i want to talk a little bit more about simple labs i did it again yeah. <laughs> I, want to talk, I want to talk more I, about uh simple auth in a minute um but uh yeah I, I as a kind of a pass-through notice here ember test selectors we actually use on the uh, ember weekend admin panel uh, that's something chase was working on so like that's super cool great cool yeah. Um, it, it's funny though. I uh, I totally made that call off of the uh, the Ember Observer score, and I didn't realize until we did the research that that was a Simple Labs thing. Uh, <laughs> That's so, awesome. Because because it, it has such a high score, and it's like, oh, obviously it's it's well maintained and it's tested and whatever. You can kind of rely on it. So it was funny. Yeah, I think I think uh, without without um like uh, without a, a large number of downloads, you can only get up to like a level eight. I want to say on Ember Observer score, like until you get to like a lot of downloads and a lot of installs or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, anyways, yeah, and, and we were just talking about you all pushing the edge at uh, Ember Auto-Computed, et cetera. Um, could you talk about kind of like uh, SimpleAuth? I think it might be one of the oldest 
add-ons and maybe even predates add-ons? Uh, yeah, it, it uh, was actually, I, I think the first release was like maybe one, one and a half years before add-ons or so. So I remember when I had like a globalized build and AMD build, it <laughs> was all, like, uh, really hard to maintain. And then add-ons came along and made everything like much easier, at, at least at least uh, after like the first few revisions of the add-on system, but uh, there was like obviously a huge improvement for the whole community. One thing I have to say about SimpleAuth is probably that I wouldn't name something that starts out simple, simple again, because <laughs> at some point it's not going to be so simple anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, SimpleAuth, it, it, so I think it's still pretty simple to use for most people that don't have any like special requirements or so. Uh, but the internals are um, are actually not so simple anymore. <laughs> like we have all those things that we support and then Fastly support, and like, uh, you have to be concerned about whether you run on the browser or not or whatever. Uh, so it's it's um, actually pretty complex and big now. Right, yeah. but, it, but it's simple to the user. That's that's kind of the key. <laughs> sure, sure. Like, if that is still the case, then I'm I'm happy. But <laughs> I think like. If you look at the code, you might think yeah, simple on. Not the best name. <laughs> so, uh, so we were talking about SimpleAuth, and uh, I have I have a question uh, that's kind of uh, something that you probably get all the time, and that's basically like, uh, how does it integrate with Tori? Because I know that a lot of times when people ask, uh, you know, should I use SimpleAuth or, or Tori? I'm kind of like, these are different things. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to walk us through that question? Which, once again, I'm pretty sure you get all the time. Yeah, sure. Uh, no problem. Like I'm, I'm used to to walking people through. So <laughs> that's that's cool. I'm just gonna do it again. So, uh, simple auth is mainly about maintaining maintaining the session state, kind of in in the context of your own application. Uh, that means um, uh, you always have the simple uh, the simple auth session, regardless of uh, whether you're authenticated or not. You can actually store things in the session. For anonymous users, so that they would survive uh, reloads and stuff. Um, um, also, in addition to that, it provides uh, hooks that uh, let you authenticate and then later um, invalidate the session. Also, it's, it, it has some support for authorizing outgoing requests, or in theory, it could authorize anything else. So we kept it pretty uh, generic. So in theory, you could authorize an API call of, of, of some external JavaScript API, where you maybe call a function and uh, have to pass a token also. That token could be coming from the simple auth authorizer. Um, and then it also has a bunch of default authentic or, or included authenticators that you can use uh, for, authenticating, uh, for authenticating the session. Uh, uh, the most popular one is probably the, probably the OAuth 2 authenticator. Mm -hmm. uh, in contrast to that, Tori is mostly about opening sessions with external authentication providers. Big difference is that you can have multiple Tori sessions with multiple Tori providers at a time. So, like you could, you could uh, like use Tori to authenticate with Facebook and use Tori to authenticate with Google at the same time, mm -hmm. and then you have like, like both both would be. Uh, would be active, kind of. Um, SimpleApps only only has one session that is authenticated or not. So 
um, imagine a real world scenario where a user logs into in, logs in into your web service. They uh, could log in either with Facebook or with Google, but not with both at the same time. Because as soon as they log in with Facebook, they are logged in in the context of your um, application already. So there's no point to log in a second time with another identity provider. So uh, uh, how they work together is that that uh, when authenticating the Ember Simple Auth session, you would use one of the providers that Tori provides to to authenticate the Simple Auth session. So for example, uh, you authenticate the Simple Auth session using Tori's Facebook provider. And then once you have the Simple Auth session uh, authenticated, you could, you could, uh, because now you have a user context, right? So you could, you could use Tori again to open a session with Google, and then you could connect the thing that you get from Google to the user in the context of your application that you know because you have authenticated that person with the Simple Auth session. So it's really like Simple Auth is is maintained and is is there to maintain the session in the context of your app. And Tori is mostly for maintaining like your relation with a number of external services. Awesome, awesome. That is that is a, that is a great explanation of that. That is really really good. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, just a, as a side question uh, regarding Simple Auth, um, what are, what are the, what's the thing that you're most pleased about that uh, add-on? Um, I I think the thing that I'm most pleased with is that people actually like it like this was my first like like more or less successful open source project and it was really nice when people actually liked that and then used that and like the number of stars increased so like that's something that i like well. uh, another thing that is really nice now like uh, one two years or three years into its development is that people actually start contributing more and more uh, i have one person who's like uh, who has been helping out with development for I think six months or almost a year now? Like that's really, really awesome as well. And so uh, just yeah, like seeing more and more people getting involved with the project, like that's that's really uh, nice to see. Actually, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so that that kind of like uh, dovetails into our our next question about um, you know how how is the local like Ember community and you know and then and obviously you're getting. Uh, a lot of contributions to your to your add-on, and, and what does that say about uh, Ember? Yeah, so I mean the the uh, community and and uh, general is obviously nice. Like um, I just came back from from Ember conflict uh, two weeks ago, so it was really nice to be there. So the community uh, and and general is great. The local community in Munich is great as well. It's just pretty small. So <laughs> uh, we do meetups like four or five times a year, I guess with anything between 15 and 30 people. Um, the good thing though is we've been doing that for three or four years or so uh, and we always have those uh, 15 to 30 people so it's it's uh, at least it's it's very it's very uh, continuous kind of and I think I saw that in the in the Emmaconf keynote I think we uh, we were one of the 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 earliest uh, custom Tomsters. I think we were like one of the the Bavarian Tomster was one of the the first that was shown, <laughs> that's awesome. uh, shown on the slicing in two thousand I don't know fourteen maybe or so. So that's 
uh, awesome of them. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So, uh, so uh, yeah, Isaac, Isaac asked me to ask you, uh, what's the deal with Emberfest this year? Yeah, so uh, I can only say there uh, there's a number of people who are trying to make it happen, and <laughs> we um, we hope it will happen, and uh, we'll probably say more about that soon in the next maybe two or three weeks. Awesome. Uh, but obviously, it's nice to have like a European community organized conference. Um, and we all want this to happen this year. Very cool. Very cool. Um, okay. Uh, so, so just, I guess, kind of to, to wrap up, um, you know, some rapid fire questions here, uh, is, is Simplabs hiring, which I think we kind of already covered. I, I think that's the thing. And, yes. Um, yes. Simplabs.com slash jobs. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, are there any, uh, this is something we really like to ask. Are there any pet projects that you're working on that you want to have more people like look at or investigate or, or help with? Yeah. Uh, so I think for now, um, the main projects that I, I think would be great to have more people on would be auto-computed. Um, because right now it's an experimentation, like I said, but it, I think it might have potential to actually simplify a lot of people's code. So I guess it would be great to like have more people play around with that, maybe fix a few things, and then maybe over the course of, I don't know, months or so, it might actually get to a point where, uh, where it would actually be usable. Uh, second thing is uh, SimpleAuth. So everybody who wants to help with development of SimpleAuth um, is very welcome to join our calls on every... Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. Uh, CET. Uh, I think um, often people think that it's like really hard to get to contribute to one of the like larger add-ons or so, but uh, actually it's the case that we still look for people. So me and Stephen Wu, whom I should, uh, should thank for uh, having helped uh, with the development for, for so long now. Um, we are two people, which is good already, but we, are, uh, we could easily uh, use more help uh, uh, in development in developing uh, SimpleAuth further. So anybody who wants, just just ping us. Yeah, definitely. That's a great idea. All right. So this is something we uh, we do every time, uh, and everybody hates it. Um, uh, you get the opportunity to to name the episode uh, on the spot. So sorry about that. Um, yeah, I appreciate that, and I have <laughs> been thinking about that, but I. I I really couldn't come up with anything. It's, it's maybe not my most creative day. So. All right. Well, right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll maybe call it Simple Apps as Hiring. <laughs> Simple Apps as Hiring. That's, that's great. So uh, anyways, yeah, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go with whatever you, uh, whatever you decide and we'll have it be a surprise, which is actually kind of a surprise to us recording now, not to the viewer, because they're going to click a link that already has the title selected. But um, Right. Uh, so uh, I think that's it for this Ember weekend. Uh, thank you so much, Marco, for for taking the time with us uh, this morning or this afternoon. I guess. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Yeah, of course, of course. This is a great conversation. Really enjoyed all the stuff, and I'm definitely going to be diving into the auto computed stuff uh, pretty soon, just to fiddle around with it. And uh, yeah, the, this is great. Um, so. Uh, if you want to follow along with future episodes of Ember Weekend, you can do so at emberweekend.com slash feed.xml if you want to follow the feed. Uh, or you can uh, reach us at the Twitter, uh, which is Ember Weekend, all one word. Or uh, now, I guess you could also follow us in Slack by joining topic-Ember Weekend on the Ember.js community Slack. So uh, yeah, and with that, uh, I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we will see you next week. Thanks again, Marco. Bye-bye. Thank you.